You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. Well, hello, Impact family. Thank you so stinking much for joining us. Uh, thanks for being a part of our virtual service. Either you're watching this on our website, lifewithimpact.com, or you are watching it on our YouTube, or you're listening to one of the podcast locations. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you're plugged in to listen to and to be a part of what God is doing here. I just want to say thank you. This is as much of an investment as those that show up here. It's it's here. You're, you're here with us. COVID taught us that we got to be about more than just the building. And so here we are and you are part of us. You don't have to have the building. We don't have to have the building to be a church. And this is one of the ways that we're discovering that. So thank you for being plugged in to what God is doing. We're doing week two of a brand new series we started after Easter. Before I get into that, I want to tell you about some of the cool things that God is doing here. I would I had a, I led a, a meeting for our staff this past week, sharing some of the cool things that God is doing. And uh, and one of the folks on our team said, Dustin, you got to tell those things to our church. They would love to hear that. And they were exactly right. Heather K., that was you. Thank you. They're exactly right that we have to do a better job of telling those stories. And so I wanted to do that, to take some time to do that today before my message. So while it's not directly attached to my message, you can fast forward a few minutes if you want to. Uh, but if you are part of our family, just, you just keep listening because I want you to hear all the cool things that God is doing. We launched uh, a, a financial kind of, uh, uh, what would it be called? A financial initiative called the God-Sized Impact. Uh, we talked about it at our annual meeting. I've sent some stuff out on uh, Facebook and a newsletter. If you want to know more about it, you can go to our website, lifewithimpact.com. As soon as you start to scroll, a pop-up's going to hit. Do you want to know more about the God-Sized Impact? If it doesn't, scroll to the bottom at the footer and just click God-Sized Impact. But what it is, it's an above and beyond giving initiative to do the kinds of things that are the hands and feet of Jesus directly connected to needs-based ministry. Somebody needs this. This organization needs this. And we have the money set aside to bless them, to be there for them in that moment. Andy Stanley is a popular preacher, a kind of a, 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 a respected voice in leadership. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. And I've adopted that. Because while we can't do what we would like to do for everybody, for everybody, we can do it for those that God puts on our heart to do it for. We received a phone call this week about a young lady. Their family attends our church, and, and the young lady and the family lost a grandpa back in Detroit, Michigan, very close to the grandpa. And unfortunately, young family, a couple kids, didn't have the resources to get from Sacramento, California, on a flight to Detroit, Michigan. And so we heard about that. God put it on our hearts to pull from that God-sized impact and get this young lady, a round-trip airfare from Sacramento, California to Detroit, Michigan to be with friends and family and to celebrate the life of her grandpa, one of her heroes that recently and tragically lost his life. And so we were able, through your generosity, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, doing for one what we wish we could do for everybody and getting this lady back home to Detroit, Michigan, to be with family. Thank you for facilitating that by your generosity. That is an incredible gesture of what it is to be a family. Another couple stories before I get into the message. I'll try to tell them quickly, though they're very exciting. 
There's a lady that's attended here only in the last couple of months. She's currently up in Maine visiting family. She, all of her family and friends are in Maine. She came out here to be with just, I think I think it's her sister or something like that. But, but the majority of her friends and family are all in Maine. Just recently moved out here, found impact, and called me to say, hey, Dustin, I just want you to know that like as much as I'm enjoying being with friends and family, I am missing my church family so much. I found and rediscovered family and community and a relationship with Jesus in a whole new way when I found Impact Community Church. We became family for this lady who's, I don't know how old she is. She's in her latter part of life and she comes and joins us and she finds community here with us. I, on last Thursday, a lady knocked on our door. I wasn't expecting. And so we brought her into my office. I brought her into my office and she said, I just wanted to tell you that my family's moving to Georgia, but I didn't want to move to Georgia without telling you that this church changed our family. And I was so grateful. I said, oh, tell me more. And she said, the family trajectory was not going well. And they've came to impact and they found a place to build from and to start from and it completely changed their family the trajectory of their family and she said even more than that that she said i was in the darkest place of my life and i was not in a good headspace in fact i was in a very very dangerous headspace and and she said i not only did impact change my family impact saved my life that the songs and the messages and the community that I found gave me a place to build on that very literally saved my life. And she said, I didn't want to move to Georgia without coming by and saying, thank you for changing my family and for saving my life. This is the church. This is what we get the invitation to be. This is the grace of Jesus being extended in very tangible and life-changing ways. I don't, you're, you are as much a part of that as I am. So thank you so much. That said, let's get into knowing more about this grace that we are hoping to extend to others. So for Easter, it's sort of when it's, it's the Super Bowl Sundays, right? And so then after Easter, all these faces we haven't seen for a long time, I decided I wanted to do a series that just sort of revisits at a deeper level the message of Easter. The, mes the message of Easter is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and, and the power that raised Christ from the dead is extended to us in an invitation for this brand new life. Well, what does that mean? Lots of people went and prayed with our prayer team, but what, do you, what does it mean now? You know, the week one after Easter, week two after Easter. So we started a series called Game Over. That series is kind of anchored in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a brand new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The idea there is that something must die so that something new can become. Who Your old desires, your old habits, your old ways of thinking will die. Game over. And God wants to do a brand new thing. So last week we looked at the free gift of grace. I would love for you to watch that. It was an important message tied to this conversation over the, the this these three weeks for this series game over. It's an important message and the conversation about grace that we're having. So go watch it on our website. Go watch it on Facebook. Go watch it wherever you're listening and watching right now. Week one was an important message in this conversation. This weekend is the complete work of grace. The complete work of grace. I don't know about you, but extending grace to people is always kind of a... 
It's, it, it, I have to like amp myself up for it. You know, like, let's just say there's that person, maybe you work with that person, I, not me, everybody I work with is, that I work with is perfect, but let's just say that you work with someone, you go to school with someone who you just, you know, sometimes we refer to them as EGRs, extra grace required, right? It's that person that you, it, for some reason, it's just extra hard to extend grace to them. And so maybe on your way to work, you know that you're going to pass their cubicle. Maybe on your way to school, you know you're going to sit behind them. And so you are amping up, ready for it. you got the audio Bible going. You're just listening to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You're ready to show love that is patient, love that is kind. You're, you're just like... You're bathing in God's word. Maybe you listen to your favorite worship songs. I've got a worship playlist on Spotify. Worship songs that make me cry. When I need to feel, I go to that playlist. So you just drenched yourself in these things. And you're ready, man. Your heart is good. Your heart's ready to meet these people. You can't wait to show them the grace of Jesus. And then you see them and you're like, why do I want to punch them in the throat? Like, why do, why do, why do I want to punch you so bad? Well, it can be hard to extend grace. And maybe that's not you. Maybe you're angry with me or you've lost respect for me. But that sometimes is the way that it goes. There are people, because I mean, even the Gospels talk about that. Even Jesus spoke to the reality. It's easy to do good things to people who are good to you. He said, even, the, even sinners do that. But what about when you're trying to do good to those that do hard things to you and harmful things to you and they say bad things about you and they, you're convinced they don't want the best for you? How do you extend grace to them? Well, I want to talk to us today about the complete work of grace. And, and maybe I, I could start by saying and making sure that you know that all throughout this message and arguably even anytime we're talking about extending grace in this context... We're talking about Jesus. We could exchange the word grace with the word Jesus every single time. I'm trying to extend grace to this person. Well, really, I'm trying to extend Jesus to this person. I, I, I'm so sorry I hurt you. I, well, you sh I need your grace. And you, within, I'll be asking for you. I need you to show me Jesus. Ex extend Jesus to me. The, the Jesus that gives me what I don't deserve because he's just that good. Would you extend grace to me? Would you extend Jesus to me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing Jesus, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When we say the word grace, we can interchange it with the word Jesus. And when we understand more about Jesus and what he has said about and done on behalf of grace and taught about grace, then we now have a better idea of how to extend it. Because when we're extending grace to one another, we're really just extending Jesus to one another. What has Jesus extended to you? And when we understand what Jesus has extended to us, oh, that verse that when Jesus tried to teach us how to pray, he said, forgive us according to the way we forgive others. Show grace to us according to the way that we show grace to others. And so we need to know deeply the grace that we've been extended so that we might be able to extend that same Jesus, that same grace to others. Well, Jesus does a clinic on grace in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, I'm going to try to get through this quickly. Uh, but in John chapter 8, verse 1, I'll read the first five verses. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon 
gathered. So right away, Jesus, he's been teaching in the temple since he was 12 years old, confounding the other teachers since he was 12 years, years old. When Jesus teaches, people show up. He goes to back to the temple after being away for a minute, comes back, and instantly people are showing up. Instantly people want to know what Jesus has to say. He has become the authority, and people want to know what he has to say. So a crowd gathers. So he sat down and he taught them as he was speaking, as he was speaking, as he's teaching the message that people have come to see, the crowd has gathered because they want to hear from Jesus. They don't want to hear from the other teachers that are there because their te other teachers were already there, but the crowd gathered when Jesus got there. So the crowd now wants to hear from Jesus, but as he's teaching, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. The, 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 the little heading on the top of my Bible says, a woman caught in adultery. Well, I would certainly make the case that it should say the man and the woman who were caught and adultery because it takes two to tango as it were i don't want to get into the birds and the bees right now but it takes two and if she was caught in the act it wasn't just her so i would say that the man and the woman were caught in the act of adultery perhaps the reason it only says the woman is because the work that jesus does in the heart here he gets to extend into the heart of the woman but they bring this woman who was caught in adultery and they put her in front of the crowd now the main thing to them became, what do you have to say about this woman? Though Jesus was teaching a message that the crowd had gathered for, they were convinced the most important thing was not Jesus in front of the crowd. It was the sinner being exposed in front of the crowd. Most theologians agree that she was likely naked, ashamed, embarrassed. If anything, maybe, maybe wrapped in a sheet, but caught in the middle, no argument to be had, just full of shame. The law says stone her. In fact, that's what they say next. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. Very important words, four words. What do you say? Jesus, the law says stone her. We have the stones. We're locked and loaded. We're ready to go. What do you say? And I would love to look today at what does Jesus say. Uh, as we look at a clinic on grace, the complete work of grace, we'll see three things that Jesus did here that I don't want for you to miss. They're very important things that we learned that helps us understand the complete work of grace. Number one, grace will meet you wherever you are. Jesus will meet you wherever that you are. In, in the very next verse of scripture, it says, well, I'll read it again. Moses, uh, the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? In verse six, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They demanded an answer, so they asked him again. Before I get to the part of them asking and asking again, Jesus was teaching a message. He was preaching people. A crowd had gathered. When a sinful woman shows up, what does Jesus do? Jesus got right down to where she was. Jesus stooped. He changed his posture from preaching to the people, from doing the message. And now what became most important was this woman who was hurting and accused and in desperate need of a savior. Now she becomes 
thrust into the center of the church business. And Jesus changes his posture to get to where she was. He was teaching a message, talking to the masses. You know this thing that we talk about, about leaving the 99, where it talks about Jesus says, I will leave the 99 to get to the one. Well, Jesus demonstrates that here with this woman, teaching a message, probably just slaying the preaching game like Jesus does. And instead of continuing his message for the masses that have gathered, Jesus stoops down into the dirt to get to where this woman is. Because the, the sin, the bad decisions, the heartache, the things that's destroying our lives, those are down in the dirt. And rather than Jesus preach a message at you, Jesus' very first thing, before he says one word, he stops what he's doing and he rushes to where you are to get to the dirt. Jesus is in the dirt. I won't, I wish I had more time, maybe in, in person where, where time is a little more uh, flexible, I, I, I might talk a little bit about what he could have been writing. I've heard lots of messages, did my own research on maybe what he could have been writing, but we don't know exactly what he was writing, but he gets right down into the dirt, right where she was, so that he could be near her. Grace will meet you wherever you are. Grace will get down into the mess, into the dirt, leaving the 99 just to get to the one. Grace will meet you where you are. And I will say to you, I would suggest to you today, I would even submit to you today that grace will meet you there and keep meeting you there if that's where you continue to stay. Did you know that grace is not in a hurry to get up? That grace will stay where you are no matter what is done, what is said, what is thrust upon you, no matter even though you are laying in the consequences of your own sin. Did you know that God will continue, grace will continue to meet you. Jesus will continue to meet you in the dirt because that's where that you are. Grace will meet you where you are. So can I ask you to just consider where you are today? And, and, and if you're there, if you're in the dirt, if you know that your life is messy, if you know that you are thrust into the consequences of your bad decisions, can I invite you to be there and to stay there while Jesus does the work? If you're there in the messiness of your sin, can I invite you rather than be quick to rush up that actually Jesus is there with you. He meets you where you are. The law says get up. The law says clean yourself. The law says put on some fresh clothes. The law says stop it. The law says you nest because you did this. You deserve to be stoned. And Jesus says I'm where you are. So instead of being quick to just respond and react to the voice of the law, the voice of religion, can I encourage you to take your time to be where you are, though you are in the mess of your consequences, of your sin, Jesus will meet you there. Because that's what grace does. Grace meets you wherever you are. If that's where you are today, can I just say fully be there today? Can I say fully be there today? Jesus doesn't ask her to stay there forever, but for right now until the work of grace is, is complete and you have the word from Jesus spoken over your life so that you know how to get up. Can I encourage you today to not pretend like you're not you're somewhere else? Because that's, that's my story. That's my story. I don't have a lot of time and this wasn't part of my notes, but as I'm just thinking in real time, that's I've oftentimes tried to pretend like I'm somewhere that I'm not. I know there's things that I need to deal with, but I still got a service to lead. So I've just got to go put my best foot forward. And I get that. 
At some level, I get that we just can't bleed out all over people. We have to be responsible and mature. But when it comes to Jesus, can I encourage you to be where you are? Maybe you thought you'd be further along. Maybe you thought your marriage would be further along. Maybe your spouse is telling you you need to. St- I-, I thought after ten years you'd be better than this. Maybe you you, you feel the vo- this voice is speaking over your life that you, I, you should be better than this. You should be doing. You should be get up and stop doing this. And Jesus is just saying, "I'm here where you are." Because grace meets us wherever that we are. Number two, grace is not moved by the demands of the law. We see that because as Jesus is down in the dirt with the woman caught in adultery, riding in the dirt, messy, dusty now with the dust right there, the same dust that she's sitting in. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message says they kept badgering him for an answer. Jesus wouldn't respond, and that that angered them more and more and more. They kept demanding an answer, and fine. But Jesus is not demand. He's not moved by the demands of the law. Jesus is not moved by the demands to continue to say something that gives credence and, and credibility to the law because he is the fulfillment of the law. He is the he is the completion of the law. He is grace that trumps. The expectation and the demands of the law. Finally, he gave an answer and he said, all right, but let the first one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. Oh my goodness. When I read this this week, I just, I I got tears in my eyes as I imagined this woman who has an advocate in the teacher who crowds have gathered to see They come demanding an answer from the respected teacher. The respected teacher, rather than continue his message, to say, will you guys shut up? I'm preaching a message. Instead of any of that, he stops what he's doing, and he doesn't even listen or give an ear to them. He gets down to where this woman is. They're badgering him for an answer. So he gets up, and he punks them down. He says, you guys got no sin. Then you throw the first stone. And he doesn't continue preaching. He doesn't continue badgering them. He can't wait to get back to where she was because... Grace is not moved by the demands of the law. One of the best accomplishments that I've ever experienced in a relationship is when you can just be quiet together. You know, who I'll take long trips with is contingent upon how comfortable that I am with you not saying much. I like conversation. I consider myself a conversationalist. But there are often times that I just want to be quiet. And there are some people that don't know how to be quiet. And there's a, there's this metric that you hit in a relationship. And I love this about my wife and I. We can have the greatest, deepest conversations ever. Or my wife will text me. She texted me this past week. Is We've had all kinds of meetings and things going on at, at, here at work. We had family in from out of town. So it's been crazy at our house. And my wife texted me. I think it was Monday. And said, when you get home... Let's just sit together and be quiet. And it was as if she gave me a million dollars because there's just something about a comfort level that says, you don't got to say anything. You don't got to do anything. I'm just here with you. And Jesus, though the demands of the law were saying to give an answer, Jesus says, I'm comfortable just here with the one that I love. And since grace is not moved by the demands of the law, which is to say Jesus is not moved by the demands of the law. I would ask you, family, what are you, what's moving you? What is it that's moving you? What is it that's frazzling you? What is it that is key, that is getting you to, to not be able to hear the voice of Jesus because of the voice of the demands? Maybe it's the demands of your own, your own, I don't, I'm not going to even begin to go line by line by line after what that voice might be. What, whose voice are you listening to? 
Is it the voice of Jesus? I love the story in Luke chapter 10. I wasn't going to read it, but just really quickly. Luke chapter 10, it's the story of two women named Mary, Mary and Martha. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes to the house of these women. Where is it at? Here we go. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary, she sat at the Lord's feet, which means to say that she was dusty. She she was just sitting there in the dirt and in the dust, wanting to be where Jesus was, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner and she was that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Maybe some of you know this story, but... The Lord said to her in verse 41, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Some of us are so busy, busy, busy that we just miss the opportunity to be at the feet of Jesus. We're so busy listening to the demands, but there's dinner to do, but there's this to lead, but there's this to volunteer for. And all of those things are wonderful, but they pale in comparison to just being at the feet of Jesus because the invitation from Jesus is to not be moved by any demands and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is moved by the demands of the law it is to say like we learned last week that his love for us does not necessitate reciprocation we can just be with jesus some might make a case against me to say so dustin you said man that like even if we stay in our sin even if we stay in our addiction even if we stay in our bad choices even if we stay in our habits that some of some some of you might make a case to say, so you're saying that we can just keep doing, keep sinning, keep whatever. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, but if you do, Jesus will stay there with you. That's a mystery of grace that I don't understand. But I will say to you that Romans 12, 1, that says, I beg you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, give yourselves completely to him in light of what God has done for you, in light of what Jesus has done for you. The only reasonable response there could possibly be is to give your life to him. So I'm saying to you, in light of the grace of Jesus, yes, man, get up, love Jesus. Because what Jesus said, he said, ultimately, he says, get up, now be different, now go do. We don't need, the invitation isn't to stay there. It's to say, if you've been there for two years, he's still there with you. If you're just not realizing that you're completely thrown into the middle, you feel like that's you just sort of on display, caught in the chaos of your consequences of the sins that you've committed. That is to say, Jesus is right there with you. If you've been there for a year and a half, rather than get up, Jesus is right there with you. Rather than listen to the voice of the accusers, Jesus is right there with you. So I'm not saying that we stay in our sin. I'm saying if you stay in your sin, that's just how good Jesus is. He's not moved by the demands of the law. And lastly, grace does not condemn you. We, we read at the very end of this. All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he got back with her and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the ground with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? You know the voice that you were tempted to listen to? Where 
is that voice now because in light of my voice, the fulfillment of the law, the voice that matters, I could accuse you because I am the fulfillment of the law, but I choose not to. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And then she said no. She had to respond in light of what Jesus did. Jesus wanted a response. So she said, no, you're right. I'm not condemned. And then Jesus says in the end of verse 11, neither do I go and sin no more. So we don't have to stay stuck in our sin. But Jesus does want us to stay there until we get the full revelation as for what he has done in response to our sin. Grace does not condemn you to the one the one who by definition of the law could say I condemn you he was the fulfillment of the law and so Jesus the one perfect the only perfect one who could condemn see the, the, the Pharisees they didn't have the authority to condemn because they were sinful in and of themselves and so Jesus said you have if you have the authority to condemn because you have no sin then you may condemn and then they said well crap I'm don't have that authority to condemn and so Jesus said I could condemn because I am the perfect one. I am the righteous one. I am the sinless, blameless one. And Jesus said, though I could condemn, I choose not to. So go and walk without the condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Grace does not condemn you. Do you feel shame and condemnation? Perhaps you're listening to the wrong voice. So I guess today, quickly, I want to wrap up very, very quickly Today I'm talking to three people. The person who knows that Jesus moved towards them. You know that Jesus is meeting you in the dust because you got a mess that you've made. And you, you know that Jesus has moved towards you. Secondly, the person who knows they need to sit back down. Because you're trying to get up and wander away from Jesus. Trying to pretend like you're somewhere that you're not. And you need to sit back down and get where Jesus is. Because Jesus has a work to do. And he wants you to be there with him. But you're so busy trying to pretend like you don't have a work to do. And that you don't need Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come sit with me. I came here to sit with you. So sit down and be with me. Or maybe thirdly, you're the person who knows that you are locked and loaded carrying stones. To the first person that knows Jesus moved towards them, can I just say that you are so deeply loved that I hope that every time someone invites someone to listen to a podcast or a virtual service or they invite them to church, I hope that they have the confidence in knowing that at some point in time we are going to tell them about Jesus and invite them to meet Jesus. So to that first person, this is the invitation that says, please hear me say Jesus does not condemn you. He gets to where you are. He wants to be in your mess. He wants to sit there with you. He will defend you and come back and sit right down there with you. So Jesus wants to meet you in your mess. He does not condemn you and you can be safe here with Jesus. You can sit here and say, Jesus, I accept you. I receive you. I want to walk with you. I know what you did for me. I'm, I'm, I'm learning what you did for me. And I want to accept the fact that you don't condemn me. In fact, you want to walk with me. You want to teach me how to live. You want to teach me how to, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, be a brand new creation. So to that person that's here realizing that you have made a mess of your life and you need to accept Jesus, Jesus is here with you in the middle of your mess. Do not leave this podcast without accepting Jesus. And you can do that by just simply saying, Jesus, thank you for being here with me. I accept that gift. I accept the gift of, of grace. To the second person, 
I'd say stop exhausting yourself doing, 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 doing it. Quit pretending like you are further along than you really are. Quit, quit doing so that you don't have to deal with. Quit doing so that you don't have to discover what's actually happening in your heart. Jesus said to Martha, you're so busy that you're, you won't even let me sit with you and expose to you, deal with you, help you with the things in your life. You're so busy doing that you're not dealing with the, for the fact that I just want you here with me. So for some of you, you just need to stop pretending like you don't have a work that needs to be done with Jesus. You need to sit down with Jesus. You need to stop pretending like what's more important is these things that you're doing and start realizing that what you need is to really sit down in the dirt with Jesus. He has a work to do in the dirt Stop pretending like you have it all put together and in fact just do some time in the dirt with Jesus. To the third person, the person who knows that they are carrying stones, you are the hardest person to speak to today because you're the person that thinks that you've got it put together so much that you can throw stones at other people. I want to speak today to the folks in our church, maybe checking in for the first time, that you consider yourself a pretty good stone thrower because people because people sin in different ways than you because you don't maybe currently aren't, aren't caught in the sin of adultery, so you are have no pro. How could they? You see these things and you go, how could they? And Jesus wants to say to you today, how could you? You have no sin. Yeah, I was thinking today about how to speak to you, third person, and, and and Holy Spirit brought me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. What's the will of my Father? The will of my Father is to lay down your stones and to start telling people the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the narrative of the gospel. The ones who will make it into heaven are not the ones who know the law. There's a lot of people that will say, Lord, Lord. The, the Pharisees knew he was Jesus. They knew he was the teacher of the law. They recognized him as a great teacher. But they got wrong what he came to do in them. A passage goes on to say, on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. I want to read in the message. This is powerful and heavy hitting. And I, will you consider? Will you consider? Is this you today? And if it is, that's okay. Jeez, I'm so thankful for the Pharisees that showed up there. The what the words of Jesus landed on them in teachable ways. The law said throw stones. The law said kill her. So they could have said we're here to fulfill the law, but instead they heard Jesus say. I'm the fulfillment of the law. So you came, so though you came throwing stones to fulfill the law, Jesus says there's a better law, and that's the work of grace. And that word of Jesus fell on soft hearts, and because of their soft hearts, they left different than they showed up. I'm thankful for the soft hearts of the teachers and the Pharisees, that though they came as stone throwers, they, they left knowing about the work of grace. And then Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, in the message, knowing the correct password, this is God saying, if you know the password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, master, we preach the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. 
And do you know what I'm going to say? God the Father says, you missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You didn't impress me one bit. You are out of here. Family, that's, that's, that's sobering. It's sobering that folks will have phenomenal ministries, wildly successful events. Casting out demons is what this passage refers to. And God will say, you did all of those things for your own gain. You did all of those things to build a pretty epic resume. But that's not at all the work that I sent my son Jesus to do. Well, what work did, did God send Jesus to do? The work of grace? And so if you look back, you look get some context for who, who God the Father is talking to in this passage. It's literally about not being a stone thrower. And Matthew, the, the first part of that same exact chapter, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Doesn't this sound like what was happening with Jesus and the, and the lady in the dirt that was accused? Not only accused, she was guilty. It's not about accusation. There wasn't a debate here. She was caught in the act. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off of your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. I spent a lot of time today talking to the person that's in the dirt because that's an important message, one of the most important messages that I've given my life to share. But I would be remiss today to not take the time to talk to the person that's the stone throwers because the passage of scripture that we read here speaks to both people, the one in the dirt and the one throwing the thrones, throwing the stones and in a church setting, you know, and you've experienced both of them. Family, which one are you? I would ask you today. If there's some folks that you are holding at arm's length because you're waiting for them to see how they respond, to see what they do because they said that thing, because they did that thing, because they are doing this lifestyle, because they cheated on somebody else, because insert whatever here that you don't like or don't agree with. Can I just submit to you today that you might look a lot like the ones that were there to cast stones? And I am so thankful. Unlike so many of the other times that Jesus has a conversation with the Pharisees and the religious teachers, they had a soft heart and they ultimately realized that a greater law was the one that Jesus was talking about versus the law that they were, they were there to enforce. Are you a stone thrower? Can I encourage you that you might need to make some phone calls and say to some people, I am so sorry that I was holding you hostage when I myself need a tremendous amount of grace. And I learned that showing grace is actually more about showing Jesus. And so as I'm learning who Jesus is to me, as I'm learning what Jesus was and has done and is to me, who am I to withhold Jesus from you? It's the message. That's the complete work of grace today. You want to extend grace? Well, we start by learning how to extend Jesus and we can realize we can extend Jesus when we accept the Jesus that has been extended to 
us. So I pray impact family. There will be some phone calls made, some Jesus extended today and this week. I pray there are some texts that are sent to people that need to be reminded that you have been withholding Jesus from them when you have been withholding grace from them. To others, I will you shoot us an email at engage at impact.cc. Text me if you want to. Uh, my, my phone number, 937-304-4242. 937-304-4242. Text me and say, I am in the dirt of my consequences, feeling the shame and embarrassment, and I want to meet Jesus. And we will meet for a coffee, a beer, a conversation, whatever that you need, so that I can tell you Jesus wants to meet you there. Love you, church family. Have an amazing week, and go show Jesus to your coworkers, your family, and your friends. Extend grace, and when you extend grace, you are extending Jesus. What a powerful thought. Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.